What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another SmackDown Roundup. I'm your host, Ryan Satin, and we are once again back to discuss another week's episode of Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. Great episode this week. Lots to discuss. We're going to get into it very shortly. But first, a little love to Zach Gorm, who gave love to this show on Apple Podcasts. He gave us five stars and said, Banger, this podcast has been putting out bangers after bangers after bangers after bangers. You guys get the the gist of it. Getting to know the people behind the characters and storytelling has been awesome and keeps me coming back. Thank you, Ryan. Zach, thank you. Appreciate it very, very much. I'm glad you're enjoying the interviews this week we had Mandy Rose on the show. Went out on Wednesday, so you if you haven't listened to it yet, you have an excuse. You've got a little bit of an excuse. I'll give you I'll give you that, a tiny excuse, but you should be listening to it on Wednesday when it comes out or watching it on YouTube, one of the two. But but if you haven't yet, I'll understand. But make sure you go check it out after you listen to this. Lots of interesting stuff in there about the person behind the character and also her thoughts on things that have happened related to her character being sent back to NXT, being part of the creation of Toxic Attraction, and whether she wants to come back to the main roster with all three of them. You can find that in this week's episode of Out of Character with Ryan Satin, available in this podcast feed. But that's not, you're not here to listen to me shill my interview show. You're here to hear, you're here to listen to me talk about Smackdown this week. So let's just dive head first into it. This week's show started off with Roman Reigns coming out with the bloodline. That includes Sami Zayn. The whole gang is back. And it was so great to see, like, <laughs> it was so funny to see the whole group as, you know, as a whole together with Sami Zayn doing his whole. Sammy Zane thing. <laughs> so you got Paul there, you got Solo now, but also Sammy, and he's like the wild cousin who's just kind of a, who's definitely had, it looks like he had a couple drinks, he's like a little loose, he's real, he's feeling himself, he's feeling happy that the, the group is whole again, and he's wildly dancing to the ring with the bloodline. Paul Heyman, who returned last week, talks about how the idea for Solo Sokoa joining the bloodline was done by the elders of the Samoan dynasty. It wasn't his idea. It wasn't Roman's idea. It wasn't the Usos idea. It wasn't even Sami Zayn's idea. It was the elders. I thought this was a nice little touch here. I, I think that, um, you know, solo had kind of no pun intended had been doing his own thing in NXT. And it kind of felt like even though the, the hardcore fan who was watching knew that he was part of the bloodline, he kind of, he kind of talked a lot in NXT about how he had to fend for himself and was by himself. And so I think that it, it felt like they were moving. They were, they were, they were trying to not necessarily make him just be the third. Uso on, on uh you know in WWE and actually you know after this they Paul says that Solo is the new enforcer of the bloodline who is there to ensure that Roman stays at the head of the table and allow the Usos to remain focused on the pursuit of immortality and I felt like all of this was also kind of designed to not necessarily make him the third Uso even though now they've 
they're upfront about the fact that they're brothers on TV. Um, I think that it's they're they're trying to still kind of make him seem like a wild card to a certain degree because after this, you know, Roman tells Solo that the elders may have sent him, but Solo answers to him now, so he needs to acknowledge him, and Solo does that. Even though when they're hugging, he kind of had his eyes open and still looked kind of serious. But regardless, regardless of that, that could just be his his serious guy face. Um, I I think that this this segment did a good job of making him... This part, I should say, not the whole segment, but I mean the segment too. But this part specifically did a good job of making him feel like a wild card. You know, the elders send him. Roman's got to make sure he's in check still. Um, but also um, explaining that that there's a reason for why he was brought up from NXT kind of out of the blue, you know, that when Roman was by himself and needed the help. It was a call made by the elders because they wanted to ensure the bloodline stays strong. I'm into that. Logical explanation for bringing Solo Sokoa up. Big fan of logic. Uh, the segment seems to be over after Roman and Solo hug it out. But Sammy tells them to cut the music and apologizes for the interruption. He thanks the family for treating him like family as well lately and says he wants to acknowledge the tribal chief just like Solo Sokoa did. This brings a smile to Roman's face. And he tells Sammy he likes him, but then he gets real serious for a minute and asks Sammy why he's talking or saying anything right now and there's like a sudden turn it looks like the turn that most of us have been expecting for some time that well i should say most of you not me i expect things to end differently but most of you have been expecting for a long time where it looked like this was the moment that roman was gonna turn on sammy he's like why do you have our shirt on what do you want and then he's like i'll tell you what i want i'll i want you to take that shirt off and sammy asks if this is because of last week, Roman tells him to take it off. Now, Sammy's apprehensive, and Roman tells Jay to pull it off of him. Jay does it, happily does it. Uh, and then Roman tells him that he's never wearing it again while a dejected Sammy looks on. And then, he, you know, you feel so bad. Your heart, it's like, oh, poor Sammy. He was so happy. He was just feeling himself so hard at the top of this segment, walking out with the full crew, even though... They all had the new shirt, and he didn't. Um, and finally, Roman says, you ain't going to wear it again because I got you a new one. He tosses Sammy a shirt, and Sammy reveals that it has his initials on it, and it says, Honorary Oos. New Honorary Oos shirt. All is, well, all is okay in the bloodline because Jay still doesn't seem very happy about it. But Jimmy's pumped. Roman seems pumped. Solo, hard to tell. Kind of a serious enforcer. <laughs> but everyone's excited. The crowd goes nuts. Sammy hugs him. Acknowledges his tribal chief. Sammy firmly planted in the bloodline after this segment. I loved it, man. I loved all of this. This was a great way to start the show. We've had matches that have started shows recently. We're back to a big opening talking segment, and this was the way to do it, man. You know, it's a bummer that Roman wasn't at SmackDown last week since I was at the show, but 
I really liked how they followed up with it. And I really like what they're doing here with Sami Zayn. There's so much you can do with this. There's so many directions you can go in here. You know, I saw, I've seen people say that like, you know, it makes, it'd be fun if Sammy is the reason, if Sammy is the one who contacts The Rock first somehow. And that's how we get The Rock coming back, you know, to, to build up to something at WrestleMania. Bloodline gets pissed. They beat up Sami Zayn. This brings Kevin Owens out to help Sammy. And Sammy and Kevin are the ones to dethrone the Usos for the tag titles at WrestleMania. We also get The Rock and Roman. But it would be fun if Sammy's the one that somehow brings The Rock back. He thinks he's doing him. He thinks he's doing the bloodline a solid, and it turns out. He awakens a sleeping giant. I like that idea. There's lots you can do here, though. Survivor Series is coming up. They could turn on him right before, or he has to choose between Roman and Kevin, and he chooses Kevin, his longtime friend. There's there's so many things you could do here, but I like that they're setting up and giving lots of options. After that, we had Lacey Evans versus Liv Morgan. Lacey clearly wanted to prove Liv wasn't hardcore in this match. And at the end, Lacey brings in a kendo stick, but Liv's avoid but Liv avoids it and hits her finisher. After the match, Liv picks up the kendo stick. She wants to prove that she is hardcore, but she drops it. No. No, no. But no, I do need to prove I'm hardcore. So she picks it up and she goes to town on Lacey with it. And then, dude, this spot was crazy. Liv. Busts out a table on the outside, puts Lacey on it, uh, and so, excuse me, Liv puts, busts out a table, she puts Lacey on it, gets to the top rope, uh, and there's a cool shot of her standing on the top rope, looking down, and then she does a senton from the top rope to the outside, through a table, busting Lacey through it, I popped to this one. I like this little hardcore icon, Liv Morgan, the little new Sandman. Uh, I think in order to make people think that she has a chance in this second match against Ronda, or this next match, excuse me, this next match against Ronda Rousey, I think that this, you know, this is a great way of doing it. This made Liv Morgan seem tough. This made Liv Morgan seem like she is willing to do whatever she needs to do to get the job done. I don't think Ronda Rousey would jump off of the top rope to the outside through a table. And that's no shade to Ronda because I wouldn't do that shit. I wouldn't do that either. Excuse my language there. I wouldn't do that either. (laughs) I stopped myself before I said it. But, you know, I'm just saying that would hurt. (laughs) Uh, But I like it. I think that, um, you know, to to, to make the, the viewer believe that Liv Morgan stands a chance in this next one, you got to plant that seed that uh, of, of doubt in their mind that Liv Morgan's crazy. Liv Morgan will do whatever it takes. And that's what this was. I mean, whew, that would be painful no matter how you look at it. And she just played it off like nothing afterwards. Just went back first on the ground like that. Um, so, yeah, I liked it. I thought this was a good way of uh, building to the Extreme Rules match, especially without Ronda Rousey there. Hit row backstage in their VIP viewing room party. They say they're watching the tag title match in the main event and the rest of the show. And they also say that they've got next for the tag titles, depending on what happens. Then people start to arrive. Street Profits, 
Shinsuke Nakamura. They're all there for this VIP party. This will be a running theme throughout the night, so we will talk more about it in a little bit. Sammy's backstage, and he's approached by Madcap and Ricochet. <laughs> they both talk crap to him. They're kind of like making fun of him, make it seem like the bloodline doesn't actually have his back, and then crazy-ass Solo Sokoa just comes barreling in out of nowhere to beat both of them up, takes them out. And it was funny to see Sami Zayn be real proud of the fact that he has backup now as strong as the bloodline. I like how he was like, I was totally going to do that before you got here. Um, yeah, I, I like this. I think that making Sami Zayn, you know, until the time comes for whatever is going to happen here, making Sami Zayn seem like he's as much a part of the bloodline as possible is, is, is good business, in my opinion. Next, Maximum Male Models versus New Day. It's a quick match that ends with Xavier Woods rolling up Mansoir with the back Woods, and then Max Dupree yells at them afterwards, tears off his suit jacket, and says they're making a joke. Maximum Male Models, and then walks off in anger. Clearly more intrigue and build to the, I guess not debut. Yeah, I guess yeah, debut. Yeah, to the, well, I don't know what you call this. I guess the, the repackage. The repackage into his old package of, of L.A. Knight. Uh, it's it just, they're clearly going that way. He's been setting it up for the past couple of weeks now. Now he's officially seeming to walk off from the group. And like I said before, I just don't think the group really needs him. I think there's fun. I don't think that Maximum Male Models need to go anywhere. They're fun. They're a good little tag team. I think Maxine actually fits them better anyways. And I think that LA Knight is a valuable performer in himself. So I think that building up towards it is going to work. Now, here's the thing, though. LA Knight, was he, I feel like he was more of a heel than a face. I guess at least when he was the most successful. I don't know. I guess he's played both. Because you'd think if Maximum Male Models are heels and he he's going to turn on them and become LA Knight again, does he get a big pop for that, though? Because even though they're heels, they're kind of fun heels. So I wonder. I guess it really just depends on how it happens. And I don't know if I necessarily think LA Knight has the same, you know, same connection to the audience that like a Johnny Gargano name did because of how how many you know popular takeover matches Gargano had had and I think there's there was more I, I think he was more popular with with a bigger fan base but you know LA Knight's been in different promotions I don't know I don't know I think that if I think that there's also a lot of heels in WWE right now. We need more baby faces. So, yeah, I think he becomes a baby face after he turns on them officially. That's my guess. You got to hear that one out with me in real time. Uh, after that, we had the, we're back in the Hit Row VIP party. Los Lotharios try to make their way in, but they get kicked out. There's one more segment involving Hit Row's VIP party, but we're not there yet. What we are, what we are here for is another is a, is a quick commercial break kind of screwed up that transition a little bit but sue me it's friday night and it's late here's a quick commercial break and we'll be right back
after that, we had Otis versus Braun Strowman. Braun drop kicks Otis out of the ring and attempts to do his run around the ring after that. But Gable gets in his way, allowing Otis to fight back. Braun later gets in control again. He tries to lift Otis up for a power slam, but Otis gets out of it and hits him with one of his own. It's not enough, though. Eventually, Braun hits the powerbomb for the win. You know, it's funny with this match. I think initially, you on paper, you would have looked at this and thought that it was a showcase for Braun. He just recently made his return. Uh, he's doing like a two-on-one kind of thing where he's going against two, even though it's technically not a handicap match. I think you would assume that this was going to be a showcase for Braun. But what I liked about this is that it also kind of felt like a showcase for Otis. There was talk of heavy machinery again. There was credibility building going on for Otis that, that we haven't seen for him in a little bit. I like that he's growing the beard back out. I like that we're slowly kind of getting to the, the Otis of old without, I guess, more of the look without... Uh, changing too much of what he is doing. I guess just uh, giving him a beard. I don't know if he's going to have the full giant beard again, but he's going for a beard again. I like it. I think it's, it's it hit the beard. He's got a strong beard, so <laughs> I did kind of miss it. Uh, but either way, I think that I'm getting lost in the weeds here talking about his freaking beard. Sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm over here just – I'm really – I'm honestly – I'm debating shaving my beard off. But I, I'm technically like – getting married technically in a couple of weeks our big weddings next year but i'm technically getting married in a couple of weeks her uh my fiance her her grandpa's health isn't great he might not be able to make it out for our wedding in a year we're not sure we're not sure but to be safe we're going out to him and her grandma we're gonna get married we're gonna get hitched <laughs> And I think that she wants me to have a beard for the pictures. She loves the beard more than I do, I think. So I think that's why I've got beards on the mind. Anyway, I've drifted even deeper into beard territory. I said I was going to get back into the match. And what did I do? I drifted deeper into beard territory. I apologize for that. Please forgive me. Uh, but what I was, my original point here is that I did feel like this was an actual showcase. For Otis, possibly even more than it was for Braun, strictly because you wouldn't have expected him to get this much offense in against Braun. I don't think you would have. I think you would have expected Braun to kind of be real dominant here. But the moments that Otis did get did show did, did help get him over more than a win for Braun over Otis did. If that makes any sense. I think you I think you're tracking me here. I think you are. I hope you are. I hope I'm making sense. I'm trying my best. Let's move on. We first had Brawling Brutes hyping the main event, saying we're gonna get another banger, because they only have banger after banger after banger. We we did that in, in the intro when I was talking about the review for the show. Let's move on. Drew McIntyre makes his entrance. After the break, and he's got a leather strap in hand. He says that he and Karrion Cross will have a strap match at Extreme Rules. Cross attempts to attack Drew from behind. behind. What? What? That's what happens when I read really fast. <laughs> Cross attempts to attack Drew from behind, but Drew gets the best of him. He puts the strap 
on Cross's wrist. The two of them fight while attached together via strap. But when Drew gets in control, Scarlett gets in the way to get him to stop. Does the whole uh, distressed damsel thing. Oh, no, stop, please. But then she uses flash paper for a fireball, which honestly didn't look as good as it could have. But this allows Cross to get him in the cross jacket. Now, I felt bad for this segment because it was good and I was hyped on it. But all anyone's going to remember is the 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 bad-looking fireball spot they tried. And it sucks because a fireball spot is a tricky spot, I would imagine. Even with the flash paper, it's a tricky spot. You never know if it's going to go straight. You're still throwing something. And Drew kind of had to play it off still, even though it didn't really seem to go off until it was like past his face. But props to the production team because they did, when they came back, they at least had a shot that looked like it had gotten his face. They just used a still image instead. And I'm guessing that's the only image we'll see of that going forward. I like the strap match concept. I've always thought the strap match was one that was an underutilized gimmick. And I think that with extreme rules, a lot of times, one of the, I shouldn't say a lot of times, one of my main issues with extreme rules always was that it never actually felt very extreme, even if they had a bunch of gimmicks like a stair match or whatever, you know, a chair match, ladder match, TLC, whatever. Just never really felt extreme with the ones they would have. So I'm hoping that's different with this one. And I think that a strap match does have potential to be that. Um, and I think that these two guys specifically, um, you know, in a strap match, they're going to go hard. We've seen, you know, Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, for example, where they're just kind of beating the hell out of each other. I expect a similar thing here. I expect. <laughs> I expect a picture after the pay-per-view of Drew McIntyre covered in strap marks, just covered in them. But I expect it to be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not like, similar, I should say, I expect it to be similar to like a Gunther versus Sheamus match where it's just brutality. You know, Seamus is in both of those. <laughs> but I expect it to be something along those lines where it's just brutal. I think we're going to see some brutality in this one. And the show itself, like I was saying, you know, I, I like that we're kind of switching it up from the norm. Fight pit match. Those are intense, dude. The, or the, I, I, the ones we've had in NXT were awesome. Um, now we're getting one on the main roster. That's going to be tight. Stream rules match. Live and Ronda. Now we got... You know, ECW era Liv Morgan out there. I'm interested. I think that so far, Extreme Rules does appear to be shaping up to be a semi-extreme show. Nice little change of pace. Lastly, I know the big thing of this episode was 923. Everybody was paying attention to 923. Um, well, at 923, it went to commercial break. But, like, right as the clock went to 9.23, it was a shot of Karrion Cross, And he was saying something along the lines of, like, right before that, of, like, this is what we wanted, or this is what we wanted all along. This is what we were waiting for, or something along, something like that. So, um, I'm guessing that that was a clue pointing towards him. 
Now, the clue we had this week was in the VIP lounge or whatever. Not the VIP lounge. It's a different segment. In the VIP viewing area, the party that was going on with Hit Row backstage, there was a QR code at one point. Took you to a game on the internet. It was a little bunny. It was very very Nintendo-esque, but it's a little bunny trying to get to a red door, trying to avoid little flame, little fireballs. Trying to avoid these little fireballs to uh, get to a red door. Coincidentally, yes, fireballs in this segment also had fireballs in it. But little fireballs you have to avoid to get to a red door. When Once you get to the red door, there's, there's an animation. There's uh, a bunny that has coordinates underneath it. The coordinates are to the arena of next week's Raw there's also the word patricide, which means killing your father, which I'm assuming is a clue. And if the hourglass was a clue to cross, then my my mind goes to this being a patricide being a clue to next week. And patricide means killing your father. So we'll have to see where that goes. Maybe like something during a Dominic segment or something like that, because that's the only thing I could think of there. It's like someone who killed their father. But also, I pointed out on social media that I think, and I think I brought this up in the last podcast, where there's an old, it's the first Bray Wyatt promo in FCW, and it ends with him saying, come with me, which has been the tagline of the White Rabbit, and then he sings the Rolling Stone song, Time is on my side. There's been time references. Now... If you look back to that same first Bray Wyatt promo, if you go earlier in it and you watch the whole thing, Bray Wyatt is talking about killing his father in that promo. Thought that was interesting. If there's any connection, I'm not sure. Take it, take, take with that what you will. Also, nice little thing to point out here is that there were uh, White Rabbit flyers on the cars outside of the arena once people went back to him and they also had they also had the coordinates to next week's raw moving on dakota kai versus raquel rodriguez this was another quick match that saw shotzi interfere after bailey tried to get involved this allowed raquel to get the roll-up victory and after the match there was a two-on-three brawl that ended with raquel and shotzi on top i mean similar to last week is kind of like a i don't want to say a repeat of last week but i think that similarly it's like they're trying to make raquel look strong and reinforce the fact that shotzi is a baby face now where's the damn tank triple h triple h where is the tank give us the tank back for shotzi now that shotzi's a baby face we got to see her in that tank again, man. We love the tank. And, w- I mean, it's going to be great when she shoots those uh, those little those little rockets out of it. She's going to be shooting them at Bailey. She's going to be shooting them at Dakota. They're going to be flopping around the ring. It'll be funny. Give us that tank, Triple H. Give us the tank. Last segment with the Hit Row VIP room. Los Lotharios attack Hit Row for being kicked out, and this sets up a match for next week. Here's the thing. Subtle, small, harmless segments 
However, all it did was build up to a match next week. That's that's good. <laughs> they they weren't meaningless segments. It wasn't like a bunch of recaps or I don't know, like some twenty four seven title thing that didn't actually like help anybody. This made Hit Row look cool. Like everyone likes them. They're the life of the party. No one likes Los Lotharios. That's why they got kicked out. Now we've got a reason for them to fight next week. There's a reason they're fighting next week. It's not just a match that was thrown out there, but there's a reason for it. Similarly, we're getting Sammy and Solo versus Ricochet and Madcap Moss next week, as well as Shotzi versus Bailey. All three of these matches for next week were either set up a week ahead of time or two weeks ahead of time in the case of Shotzi versus Bailey. And I think that that's the way you gain the interest of fans throughout the week. I've, I've talked in here about like how sometimes I'm like, well, you know, you could be promoting a match a week ahead of time rather than the, announcing it the morning of. And I think that it's ultimately going to help the talent be able to think of what they want to do in the match. It's ultimately going to help the fans increase their interest in things. And it's ultimately going to help the show because there's a logical reason people are fighting every week. We're watching this soap opera that's supposed to lead to a fight. So when the soap opera and the fight are kind of like separated, I don't like it. This is the soap opera leading to the fight. It's a minor little battle. It's not a war. All it's doing is building up the undercard. It's giving people reasons to wrestle. It's showing that you care about every part of the show. And I realize it's a small thing to be saying that this is that, this is that. But you can see right here, Los Lotharios and Hit Row, two teams that need to be built up more. Now you're giving them, they were in a couple different segments, while minor, not tons of mic time or anything like that, but all it is 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 is, is creating an interest in these guys. That's all it is. You're scripting a couple minutes throughout a two-hour program to create more interest in a match. That's what we're here for. Same with Sammy and Solo versus Ricochet and Madcap. It's not some match that 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 you know some dream booking or anything like that. But what you did was you reinforced the fact that Sammy's part of the bloodline this week, that Solo has his back, and that he had his back so hard he attacked Ricochet and Madcap for Sammy, and now we're getting a match out of it. Easy, simple. I like it. Same for Shotzi versus Bailey. Shotzi keeps running in to attack Bailey. Now we're getting Shotzi versus Bailey. Simple. Pro wrestling booking. I'm a fan of it. Lastly, main event time. Brawling Brutes versus the Usos for the tag team titles. This was a money match for Butch and Ridge Holland. They really shined here fighting against both the Usos. I think that this was the closest we've seen to take over Pete since he's gotten on the main roster. Ridge has had trouble getting over with the fans you know he had had a lot of stop and starts injuries injuring someone else um forced teams where he didn't really necessarily fit in but the brawling brutes are clicking now they're getting big reactions from the crowd that match between gunther and sheamus really was kind of like the the thing that made the whole group and now like people are excited to see the group as a whole uh, i think that the Butch thing has been toned down a tiny bit, but kept the most interesting part where he's like a, he's just off the handle firecracker. Um, and now to see that combined with what he can do in the ring is great. Uh, Ridge Holland 
you know, like I said, Ridge Holland's had a lot of stop and starts, hasn't necessarily connected in a certain way. Injuring Big E could have potentially ruined the you know any any chance of him getting a, a positive reaction from the crowd. However, Big E has made it clear it was an accident, and now Ridge has you know this was a breakout match for Ridge and Butch. Uh, I think that you know Ridge Holland here had some good moments, had the crowd behind him. Um, you know, there was a near fall even where Ridge and Butch hit their tandem finish where, you know, Butch does the kick and then Ridge does the snowplow. I'm not sure if it has a name. Um, and, and when they did this, I actually, they, they had got me so invested by this point that I actually thought the Brawling Brutes were going to win the tag titles for a second. I was like, no, I even said out loud, like, what? They're going to give it to the Brawling Brutes? But then Jimmy or Jay, one of the Usos broke it up. Sammy eventually grabs a steel chair to help the Usos, but Sheamus takes it from him. He then gets a stare down between him and Solo and Sammy, but this distracts him and allows Imperium to attack him out of nowhere. They take him down, and in the melee of all of this, the Usos hit a 1D on Butch to get the pinfall. Fun main event, dude, and like I said, it was really was a standout match for the two. This is going to be the one that kind of gets them on people's radars, I think. I think that even though the cheering was happening, a lot of it, I think, was attached to Sheamus. Somehow that match turned him babyface because Walter was the uber heel and everyone wanted to see him win the Intercontinental Championship. And now suddenly, the Brawling Brutes do seem to be babyfaces. And I think that that's going to be the thing that leads to Sheamus getting a shot against Roman at some point in the near future. But like I said, I think that this really was a match that those other two guys needed to get on proper uh, level. To get on the same level in terms of getting the fans behind them. No, it's not the seven-star match that Gunther versus Sheamus was or whatever, but... It was entertaining, and I really think that it got the attention of people who maybe didn't understand what these two were capable of going into the match. All right, I'm done here. Before I actually push the end button here on my computer, I want to say a few things. First, make sure that you're subscribed to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find Out of Character every Wednesday morning on video with me and the WWE Superstar. Like I said at the beginning, Mandy Rose is on the show this week, and there's a lot of interesting stuff that we discuss. So make sure that you check it out and don't get too mad at me for eating donuts at one point. It was my birthday that birthday that day. I'm allowed. I was allowed. I'm sorry. I know usually eating isn't a great thing for an audio medium. But I, I, I try my best to limit it as much as possible. Hope you still give the episode a chance. There's also going to be a best of the week for anyone who couldn't listen to the shows in full this week. And also on Monday, I'm back with another Raw Roundup. Also, make sure, speaking of the, these roundups, that you are subscribed to this this podcast feed, uh, this this podcast feed is where you can o- the only place that you can hear the Raw and SmackDown roundups. Place where you can also hear out of character the the audio version of it, the podcast version of it. It's a podcast feed. Getting too ex, I'm explaining a little bit too much here. I apologize. <sighs> 
late on a Friday. What can I say? I'm ready to go watch this live Shark Tank. <laughs> Lastly, make sure you follow WWE on Fox on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We're all across the board on social media, so make sure you check us out there. All right, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been your SmackDown Roundup. Download the all-new Fox Sports app now. 